0: Hi, this is Terry Cavanaugh, and you're listening to Into the Night, the Moon Night podcast.
1: Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 195, and you are with your high priest, of country, Ray, as always. G'day, g'day. And tonight, we are back for the, the first half of the week again for our idle chat. So um, we'll be discussing the Kavanagh legacy, which is a discussion on Terry Kavanagh's legacy uh, of Moon Knight, in particular in the, in the Mark Specter Moon Knight run. It's a very unique uh, I guess, uh, 30-odd issues, uh, but yeah, definitely get into it. Um, and joining me on this journey uh, is a very special guest host, uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic and social media manager for The Spool, Tim Stevens. Tim, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, an honour to have you also here as well, Tim. Tim and I, we, uh, um, I guess we'll discover, uh, learn a bit more about each other as we go along, uh, but this should be very exciting indeed. I know Tim is a, a Moon Knight fan uh, in his own right. As always, uh, a big thank you to our sponsors, the Patrunis. So For those of you that do listen to the show, thank you so much. Um, but also even more thanks to those who uh, throw a bit of coin our way, uh, the Patrunis, uh, and they get listed as co-producers or executive producers on each of the episodes. So you two can be a patrony. Just uh, check out the Patreon details a bit more uh, about that later on. Uh, so a big thank you to Daniel, uh, Justin, Derek, Wayne, Jordan, Josh, James, Russell, and Anthony. A huge thank you, guys, for everything. Uh, it's really, really appreciated. Also uh, sponsors Fringe Night by Daniel Doing, an original indie comic based on Erie, pennsylvania's very own mysterious superhero you've heard me talk about this before go check it out it's an indie comic it's great um get in touch with daniel he's he's in the community as well all all fun all good um as well as hello headphones empowering gamers to play at their best and dreamland comics the superhero superstore so a huge welcome tim thank you so much for your time i know it's daylight site daylight saving has just occurred there on the east coast for you over there in the U.S., so a little bit earlier than you'd expected?
0: Uh, a little bit, but that's all right. You're worth it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And uh, look, um, I guess for the benefit of the listeners and for myself as well, um, how about you tell the listeners a bit about what you do and uh, and also on the back of that, off the back of that, uh, how you kind of got into Moon Knight?
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, as you noted, my name is Tim Stevens. Tim uh, For about a decade, I was a freelance writer for Marvel.com, and uh, I was built there predominantly as the resident uh, therapist, because in my day job, I am a therapist. Uh, So I would do these things called psych wards, where I would (laughs) essentially uh, play the act of a therapist in the Marvel universe and psychodiagnose the characters as a way of... um, previewing future storylines in their books uh for like I said for the website. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's th- that was the bulk of my comics experience in terms of writing. Uh right now I am as he noted I work for The Spool I'm the social media manager. It's a pop culture website, movies, TV. I also write reviews for them. Mm-hmm. And um I've been doing that for about a year and a half now and uh, it's a great site. Uh Fully set up by the editor in chief, uh, Clinton uh, Worthington decided he wanted to uh, have a site of his own. In addition to his own freelance work, and he's got a great spool of, or a great group of writers for the spool, uh, myself excluded, of course. And <laughs> uh, it's been real, it's been a real joy to be able to promote a lot of work of people who uh, might not have their voices heard if not for Clint having the site. So that's been really important. Oh, that's. Great. Uh,
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the first thing that kind of popped into my head when you did mention about the spool uh, is uh, I mean, do you follow a lot of the, you know, MCU Disney Plus TV shows, the Marvel films? Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of the MCU in general, and my next sort of gig with the Spool will be doing uh, recaps for
1: Winter Soldier, Falcon, Ooh. starting next Friday. So,
0: you I'm looking river. forward to that.
1: Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. And uh, I take it then you've you've watched WandaVision? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, safe to say, was it? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it?
0: I really did. I appreciated the fact. I know it's frustrating for a lot of people, but I appreciated the fact that it. Refused to be uh what people even including myself wanted it to be you mm-hmm. know i would have loved to have seen uh mephisto or dr strange <laughs> show up uh but i liked that it, it stuck to itself it was fully its own thing i really appreciated that um so i would have liked the other version that you know we imagined online mm-hmm. but i thought it was really true to itself okay. and as a therapist i really appreciated the uh oh. the sort of emphasis on processing grief and, and ptsd that's yeah. related to a lot of that stuff
1: No, for sure. I mean, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts and they, they've been going through episode by episode. And yeah, this whole thing about, uh, you know, grief and, and going through those stages was, Mm -hmm. was quite fascinating. And, and I'm kind of like you as well. It's, it's, it's so weird. It was more so this series than I guess other series that came before it. Even, um, if I'm to say the Netflix shows, uh, I I really had Mm -hmm. more expectations on WandaVision than like, and so as you said, I fell into that trap of maybe not having those expectations met. But, but kind of looking back, it's mm-hmm. like, well, it's still a great. I mean, I still, I still enjoyed the series thoroughly. And it's still kind of, I guess the fact that it made me theorize so much, uh, was a testament to the effectiveness of the show.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're know, you talking about the first time you got really into it in terms of theorizing and things like that. I think part of that is also that, A, it's a TV series as opposed to a movie, and B, it's been so long since we had MCU content yeah. that I think a lot of us got super enthusiastic about it and just sort of poured all our attention into it in a way that we didn't necessarily do for the movies yet.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely, for sure. Now, and you mentioned also as well Marvel.com, The Psych Ward. Actually, I remember reading <laughs> many of these, um, so <laughs> it was great. I, I Of course... Uh, read the the Moon Knight one, Uh, that was very, very cool. Did that that actual, I guess, exercise, an article that you wrote, did that open your eyes a bit more to Moon Knight or had you been a fan already?
0: Um, I had been a fan already, but I think it helped me take in the full scale. Uh, The first Moon Knight series, or sort of exposure to Moon Knight was the Round Robin Spider-Man arc um, involving his former Psychic Midnight and uh, just a ton of sort of very early <laughs> 90s crossover characters you know yeah. his night thrasher and his skateboard and that mm-hmm. sort of thing um and you know that is that was a good series to meet Moon night through but not a great series to get to know him if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. it makes it clear how cool he is visually and things like that but he has a ton of history that's doesn't really get included in that series so nah. going back and doing the psych ward and you know diving all the way back into the mob stuff and things like that um you know really helped me give give me a fuller picture of the character
1: yeah Look, i think there are a few loonies for sure i know i'm going to shout out josh Jared! johnson probably probably pursing their lips and, and nodding when you were talking about that round robin um was a, 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 a you know a personal favorite to many uh i guess uh loonies as we call them moon Knight fans so uh mm-hmm. no that's that's great to hear and yeah you're absolutely right i mean it was visually aesthetically and just a cool factor he had all of that in the 90s but hey look in the 90s it was all about just looking cool, wasn't it? <laughs> Ponytails. Right, absolutely. Uh, That was yeah. a huge thing of it. Yeah. Um, but actually, when you start diving underneath the skin of uh, a lot of the characters, and, you know, we'll get to it with um, our idol chat, you can tell that there's a lot more thought uh, that a lot of the creators brought to to the characters, like Moon Knight himself, dare I say, even Frenchie as well. <laughs> um oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, as we get into it. So, Looney's, uh, what we're going to do for our idle chat as mentioned it's, it's a weekly topic of just any random subject related to Moon Knight Tim and I we're going to have a look at the Kavanagh legacy so this is the Terry Kavanagh legacy predominantly in uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight and this range from uh, issues 35 all the way to 60 so almost half of the whole series run uh, Terry came on board uh, and I think it's fair to say Tim he kind of moved and shaped Mark uh you know, to quite an extent, um, certainly from the first yeah. half. Yeah.
0: There's some really interesting concepts that uh, do and don't, you know, without sort of, I guess, teasing a little bit the next episode of the podcast as well. Uh, we're getting into a storyline that picks up some of the stuff that actually shows up in the Kavanaugh run. So it's kind of a nice... um relationship to the two you know besides getting to hear my voice if you listen to the next episode you also get to pick up (laughs) some threads that Kavanaugh created here yeah Uh, but it's it's a really interesting thing because I think it takes it in a direction that um, Moon Knight hasn't since being you know effectively relaunched uh, with the um, David Finch drawn series Mm -hmm. going forward a lot of what Kavanaugh does um, those aspects of Moon Knight haven't been as emphasized so it's pretty interesting from that perspective I don't know how you felt
1: about it. But. Oh, no, for sure. I think it's, a, for me, it's a, a very unique, I mean, again, I, I say this a lot about every, every Moon Knight run is, you know, quite different from the others. So each of the creators have paved their own way, which is what I love about the, the character. Uh, there are obviously common mm-hmm. threads. You could say that to, to characters, to any character to a certain extent, but you really do get this kind of. Dare I say, a lot of the fans, um, may be divisive on certain runs. It's quite polarizing. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about the Bendis run, sure. uh, yeah, the Bemis run, uh, and, and certainly the, uh, the Kavanaugh and the Mark Specter Moon Knight run. So, um, mm-hmm. plenty of stuff actually was introduced by Terry Kavanaugh. We had the good fortune of speaking to him and his, and his good mate Howard Mackey on the show. And, and they gave us a bit of a behind the scenes of it all. Um, they had big visions with Mark Grunwald uh, of where to take. Mm moon night so this was quite interesting uh let's let's just quickly go through uh we're not going to dwell too much on them tim as well we could be here all all night all morning um but uh beginning off issues 35 to 38 was the the blood brothers uh, this is an awesome an awesome arc i love this uh it had the punisher in it uh it was all about actually the actually like a retelling of Randall Spectre, uh, Randall Spectre, sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. And also had the first appearance of the Shadow Cabinet. So Terry's starting to, I guess, play around with the canon. Uh, Randall seen uh, in a different light. He's only really been seen, I guess, before in the Hulk magazine, 17 and 18, where we get a Mm -hmm. snippet of their history. But uh, yeah, what what did you make of of Randall Specter's return, so to speak?
0: It's... I really appreciate the fact that it does take what is a fairly small piece of the mythos and really dives into it and expands it. Um, it's it's sort of sad going forward from there that Randall doesn't really get touched on a whole lot mm. because he does have the capacity to be kind of uh, you know one of your opposite um, villains, you know, like a venom to a Spider-Man, that yes. kind of thing, and you don't see that as much. Um, you know, he doesn't tend to pop up a whole lot going forward. Although, again, to tease the next episode, the issue we're covering in that, he he's is a big part of. Mm. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because I think when you talk about Moon Knight, sort of the best part of his life is his childhood. You know, mm. everything after that, things get rough in a hurry. Yes. Um, and so it introduces both uh, a character from that time, so there's the tragic aspect of that, but also... You know, it hints at the fact that perhaps things weren't as rosy as you might believe or that, you know, he sort of Moon Knight's Lot was uh, was cast a long time ago, even before you might think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's quite amazing that, I mean, to, to paint the picture for some loonies who may not be familiar with Randall, I'm sure a lot of you are. Uh, there was only a glimpse of him as the Hatchet Man in 17 and 18 of Hulk magazine, and the the glimpse of history we had was that both brothers uh, at some point were mercs for hire. Uh, there were some crazy shenanigans ensuing where Randall uh, kills Mark's girlfriend at the time, Lisa, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark kind of really gets back at him, disfigures him. Uh, he wakes up in the hospital grabs an axe, as you do, and starts hacking away at nurses. So uh, <laughs> you, that's pretty much the extent of Randall Spectre. So it's interesting, in Blood Brothers, Kavanaugh's like reconstructed this, uh, and the big sweeping thing that he's he's done, actually, to bring the character back was to say, hang on, that wasn't the real Randall Spectre. <laughs> uh, all yeah. the way back in the Hulk magazine, the hatchet man, that was someone else masquerading as Randall Spectre. So very weird, but you go with it. Um, and we get this further development of... Uh, that he was a Merc for Hire as well with Mark, uh, but he was um, over in Egypt as well. Crazy stuff as well to me. Like He even arrives at the Temple of Conshu on the other side, that sort of stuff. So he's eyewitness to Mark's mm-hmm. resurrection. Um, yeah, uh, but it was very interesting having the real Randall here uh, resurrect, kind of resurrected. Well, I don't know where he was before, but by uh, Nep- Nephthys, she's a big leader mm-hmm. of uh, that Egyptian... I don't know what they, I can't remember what they call Cults of the Moon or something. knights, right. of, knights of the Moon. Um, but yeah. yeah, so Randall's big here. And as you said, Tim, we will get into, he gets kind of retconned again uh, in um, later on in, I guess, the uh, in 2010. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get <Right>. to that. <laughs> uh, also as well, the first appearance of the Shadow Cabinet. So interestingly enough here, Tim, I don't know, what did you think? Any thoughts on the Shadow Cabinet as, as a, a thing for Moon Knight?
0: It's, uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting concept. It's very much a throwback to The Shadow. Um, The Shadow's whole thing was he had this group of people that he would save them and then they would become sort of um, helpers for him. You know, he was a cabbie who he kind of on to drive him around and things like that. Uh, So it sort of echoes that idea, which is kind of fascinating because the whole multi-identity thing that Moon Knight has going on is very much a reflection of the shadow as well. If you look, you know, Jake Lockley is equivalent to that um, cabbie chauffeur. It's just that Moon Knight does it all in himself. Uh, So there's sort of an externalization of something that was already there. Uh, And I I mean, it makes a lot of sense if you're a hero, right, that you would want experts in the field, even if the field is, you know, uh, breaking and entering, Mm. uh, as people you can sort of reach out to and say, you know, I need support with this or I don't quite understand this. Um, you know, going forward, unfortunately, I think Kavanaugh introduces it and then ends it by the end of his run. And uh, it's, it is the kind of thing you feel like if the book wasn't ending, if they had longer time, it would have been far more incorporated and far more used. So it is ultimately, I think, that's more potential than execution. Mm-hmm. But it's a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I do like the idea of them, uh, the cabinet coming from all disparate backgrounds. Um, it's mm. it's totally uh, anonymous, so to speak. But they are as as holograms in the um, in, in their meetings. They don't see Mark Specter or Moon Knight. Uh, They just hear him. uh, And so it's all kind of very anonymous in that way. Interestingly Mm -hmm. enough as well, Tim, so Terry Kavanagh did say that he was playing with the idea that at the very end of the series, um, the Shadow Cabinet were, I guess, extensions of his uh, dissociative identity disorder, I guess, uh, some part Mm -hmm. of his mental illness, which would have been interesting to see where he took that um but yeah in the end he i guess he he kiboshed the idea i mean they they um disbanded by i think it's issue 55 of the whole run um Mm -hmm. but yeah certainly very interesting they all had their own little quirks and stuff there was like a very uh, sigmund freud-esque kind of guy there was a guy from um was like a felon as well so they're all very um they all bring their own different experiences uh and it was it was a nice i guess a spin also as well on um, accumulating knowledge for, for Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he had yep. he, he had his uh, Jake Lockley street street wise you know, thing. He had his Stephen Grant o- entrepreneur billionaire, and he had his Mark Mark Spector. But now he had this uh, collective, so to speak, of, of people that he could draw different you know different expertise's from. I thought that was quite interesting. Um, Moving on, after that, we get Impending Doom, which was a two-part, a great thing with Dr. Doom. I, th- I think this was a very 90s thing of just, look, let's just throw in a big Marvel character, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim, um, and Dr. Doom versus Moon Knight. Who would not want to see that? You know, I- I'm glad I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but a lot of fun there. Uh, uh, the artist, Gary uh, Quap, Qu- uh, I can't pronounce his name, Quapitz, uh, he did a very good job. Um, But yeah, uh, I think Ron Garney was the artist at this time. So he kind of stepped in to do those two issues, which was um, Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Nothing too much happened uh, there for Moon Knight. Uh, Other than there's this, um, I guess, ongoing thing, Tim, of... Of uh, Mark's body being infected by that that virus, um, right? So that, that's
0: that sort of gets its biggest
1: uh, introduction here. That
0: mm. Doom notices it and offers to help him uh, in exchange for the, the the locket that he's searching mm-hmm. for, essentially. Yes. And Mark ultimately gives him the locket, but refuses Doom's help, uh, which is either noble or prideful. <laughs> it's a little unclear which. Yeah. Uh, so so but we get the idea that um you know because he's also gotten a new armor costume which is Mm. supposed to help him with it and what moon knight or what doom says is that it's far worse than we thought an issue or two ago
1: yeah absolutely and you make a good point there as well Uh, the new adamantium armor which is Mm -hmm. again very very 90s let's just you know super map he's got crescent dusk crescent dart wrist blasters now right you know he has souped up weapons it's all it's all pretty fun um i personally like the adamantium armor i would wouldn't mind seeing it back how about yourself tim i
0: do it's interesting you know a lot of the armor we got during those periods was very different than their costumes you know you get uh the Scott McDaniel drawn Daredevil armor. You know, it's very different than the red costume. Mm. You get uh, the Hawkeye armor, which is just a nightmare. Um, And again, very different (laughs) than the costume. Moon Knight's armor, um, you know, there is the wrist gauntlets that you notice and a couple other things. But for the most part, it's very similar to the usual white suit. Uh, So visually, it's not that different. Um, But yeah, it's an evolution of the costume. It's got some neat bells and whistles, and it—it's clear Kavanaugh put some thought into it because a lot of characters in the next ten to fifteen issues reference the fact that he has all these bits, and mm. uh, it's a source of annoyance for some. It's often used as a taunt as well. They mock him for the fact that he's using these things, <laughs> um, as opposed to just fighting them. So it, you know, it's clear that it was. Uh, yes, it was the zeitgeist at the time, but also that Kavanaugh spent some time thinking, like, okay, why does he have this, and yeah. what does it mean, and making sure characters notice and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder also as well, I mean, with the upcoming few issues to come and, and the the advent, so to speak, of a lot of these big crossover events like the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, that there was a maybe a need to upgrade Moon Knight a bit. If he was to kind of mix it amongst... Uh, all these other mm-hmm. superheroes, maybe he needed an upgrade because, let's face it, in the Doug right. Mensch run, uh, admirably so, he's uh, very down-to-earth and he's almost very ambiguous as to what, you know, other than a guy in a suit, you know, <clears throat> what makes him a superhero, you know what I mean? Like, he uh, right. he can fight well, um, but he doesn't display anything over the top. Uh, that's not until you get into, like, Fistakonchu, um Right, all the way back, so yeah, so I think maybe they they tried to, and as you say, the zeitgeist as well. I think it was ripe at that time for you know to soup up on weapons and adamantium. Mm -hmm. Like Wolverine was a big thing, so adamantium, you get that, you get that in there, (laughs) yeah. Um, and so that bled into uh the crossover, Infinity War crossover. Um, so uh, that was Mark Specter, Moon Knight 41 to 44. A very interesting little period here, uh, Tim, because we get moonshade who was kind of like for those that know mm-hmm. infinity war doppelganger to the hero but he was kind of carving his own path he wanted to you know rule the world and the universe as well so forget magus and uh, adam warlock right yeah yeah um it's it quite was... interesting yeah
0: Yeah, I was saying, in comparison with a lot of those doppelgangers like you've got the multi-armed Spider-Man who has the spider eyes and that sort of thing. They were all sort of one off where they'd come back for, for very small parts, but they were, they were sort of the visual and nothing else. You know, that was the appeal of them. Um, with Moonshade, it's Moonshade has his, it's, I'm not really sure what you'd refer to him as, um, own direction, desires, you know, goals in mind, uh, and also introduces the idea that, um, He is not necessarily just the doppelganger. He is another version of Moon Knight, Mm. which opens up this whole visiting other worlds and seeing all kinds of different Moon Knights along the way.
1: Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. Not that I'm saying that they were intending this during this run as well, but we see later on in the the Max Bemis run... uh, one, I'm going to pull it out here. One eighty nine, the second issue that he did. Uh, oh. We see this Moon Knight legacy of there being Moon Knights before Mark Specter. Mm-hmm. Now this is different because it's the multiverse as well. But um, I guess it kind of opened that door a little to to have a peek at uh, Mark Specter. He's not the one and only Moon Knight. You know there are plenty of others, right. and uh, th- this multiverse certainly did throw up a lot of it. I think again, a lot of loonies love this issue. Uh, we've talked about it a few times on the show. We see the likes of, um, is it like a the Space Ghost kind of like? Yeah, Moon Knight, there's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a Batman, Space
0: Ghost. There's a the Spirit mo- uh, kind of Moon Knight. Mm. There is a couple of different versions of, yeah, yeah. of Moon Knight. So yeah, yeah, the biggest one is the one towards the end, which is sort of the classic um, "Let's go, chum" kind of Moon Knight, yeah, or yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah, but there's a few different incarnations, and it's it's fun. You can sort of play spot the. Reference, but there's also a few that are wholly unique. Like there's the uh, Atlantis Moon Knight, who <laughs> happens to be right. a woman, right. and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, it's not you know, Kavanaugh's having some fun with references, but he's also you know throwing out some interesting ideas. You know, what about a world where everything was underwater? What would Moon Knight look like there? It's mm.
1: interesting. Yeah, actually, it gives up food for a lot of thought, and, and we do see that, again, extended uh, in some way in the Jason Aaron Age of Conchu run, which was just recent mm-hmm. as well. Where you kind yeah. of see uh, you know, other, other kind of versions, uh, so to speak, um, and also the Colin Bunn, Moon Knight Annual. Uh, I remember right. Colin Bunn saying that, uh, I think it was edited out, but there were so many scenes that he wrote with endless types of moon nights i mean i think from the civil war all that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. a lot of fun stuff kind of there uh so yeah this was kind of and sorry
0: i was just gonna say it makes sense right you've know, country has been around since uh you know the height of egypt it makes sense that he would have more than one acolyte. And then you add in the multiverse aspect of it. Of course, there's going to be different versions of the mm. out there. So it's a nice combination of those two things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you've answered that question there, Tim, as well. But I was going to ask because... Uh, oh, this... sorry. No, no, <laughs> only because this did really kind of ruffle a few feathers. Uh, not not this particular, sorry, Mark Specter, but the... Um, not this Mark Spector Moon Knight run, but the um, this thing as Moon Knight as a legacy. Um, do you think, like, this thing of a superhero legacy, do you think it's overused a bit in, I mean, look, if you look at Iron Fist, Black Panther, we've got Moon Knight, right. Ghost Rider, Phoenix, it's now, like, they're not as special as they used to be because they were kind of unique in that sense. But I do, I do take what you say, and, and that makes sense logically, that... You know, why would that be the first one? But yeah, I don't know. Do you... uh, you I can see what you mean. Um, You know, with certain...
0: It's hard. So, for Iron Fist and Black Panther, those were built into the concepts. You know, Iron Fist is Mm -hmm. the most recent slayer of the dragon in any generation. Yep. And Black Panther is the ruler. So, by nature, he's part of a legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it depends what you do with it. You know, if... I think the interesting thing with Moon Knight is knowing it's out there. I think if it just became endlessly referenced, it would be uh, a detriment to the story. Mm-hmm. But noting the fact that, yeah, this is, uh, that Kanchu has had followers for, for, you know, decades, not hundreds mm-hmm. of years, uh, makes sense. And, you know, they don't necessarily have to be Moon Knight either. They can just be, mm-hmm. You know the the worshippers of Khonshu, as in um, that Blood Brothers arc. You know you have the the cult there. Yep. They are obsessed with Kanshu, They want the power for themselves. So there's only one Moon Knight, yes, but there are all these figures that have worshipped Kanshu beforehand, that have tried to be Moon Knight, that have you know emulated that, even if they didn't have a name for the character yet. So yeah. I think it depends what you do with it. If you if you use it too much, you add ruins specialness, but. You know, I think there's a certain amount of sensibility. A character who, for instance, I don't think it works for is uh, just to throw out an example is like Spider Man when they have the oh, whole yeah. Morlon thing and the idea that ah, he was part right, of yeah. Yeah. Uh, a legacy character that way. I don't think that works great. For Spider Man, the whole Spider Verse thing worked incredibly, though. Mm. So it really depends on your approach. Um,
1: That's a really you know, good. Great... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
0: No, no, it's fine. So, it, like I said, it depends on the approach of the character. You've got to find uh, the way it works properly. There's definitely a way to do it poorly. And like I said, I think, for me, at least, Morlon was that. I didn't like the idea of Spider-Man as a, a um, supernatural character. Mm. But the Spider-Verse makes sense because, you know, the concept of Spider-Man is whoever has the courage and has this moment of... Um, serendipity to encounter the radioactive spider so
1: yeah oh, that's a very good example actually i never considered that but yeah absolutely right um it, it yeah i mean that's another discussion for another day with about spider-man but it, it <laughs> does yeah it does open up that you know because uh Uh, This whole Spider-Verse, and again, marketing-wise, I understand why Marvel do it, because Spider-Man's very popular. Um, It's it's understandable to tap into the Spider-Man kind of canon, but you've got to expand the universe. Similar to, uh, I I guess, they do with uh, a lot of the characters, but Spider-Man, he's he's one of the big ones, so um, Mm -hmm. absolutely for sure. Which is um, also as well, Tim, I guess we will get to it later on as well. I mean, we're alluding to uh, the second show later in the week, but uh it really does kind of segue a little into it about the avatars of Moon Knight because uh without spoiling too much I guess uh we do see that Conchu has not only once but he has from time to time said look I can just ditch you anyway. He's done it also in the Houston run mm-hmm. and he says to Moon Knight Look you're nothing special. If you're not gonna give me what I want, I'm gonna get someone else. So um right. I guess in that sense he he's always uh is always, uh, I guess, under review, <laughs> under pressure to actually mm-hmm. perform, uh, and it, I think what makes it interesting is that Mark always pushes back against Conchu, uh, yet he still mm-hmm. he still manages to to be the avatar of, of vengeance for him. So um, there's got to be, I guess, something special in that for Mark Spector that defines him away from from the other ones. Yeah,
0: it does suggest that perhaps. Uh, it is a two-way, two-way street more than Khonshu would like to yes. admit, you know, that, yes, he saved Mark's life, but also what was Khonshu doing up until that point? You know, that yeah. was, he was a largely forgotten god in a largely undiscovered area of Egypt, or a largely unexplored area of Egypt. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is a, um, a symbiosis there that perhaps Khonshu resents or doesn't want to acknowledge.
1: That's a great idea, actually, Tim, that idea that maybe this... Um... You know, I'm just putting my hat on here, fanfic hat. This, this idea of <laughs> the God, the deity being forgotten, kind of losing the power. So mm-hmm. he, he needs, um, he needs, I guess he needs Mark to need him in order to, for him to be, right. uh, to be, uh, you know, of some importance in the world. Uh, I think that's a great mm-hmm. idea. Um, moving on as well. Then we get, I mean, we get during the run, uh, there are some, interesting stories uh so forty-five, forty-six, 46 inferno death watch um i've got here next tim uh moon knight 47 Kavanaugh introduces hellbent now this is one of the mm-hmm. the more interesting takes uh and and to be honest as well tim i haven't uh reread much of this latter part of Mark Specter for a while but i have bits and pieces here and there and and they still kind of confuse me (laughs) um (laughs) but we have hellbent here which terry Kavanaugh described as he wanted to create um another division of kind of superpowered beings so you had your mutants Mm -hmm. you had your genetically enhanced you had your mystical he wanted to have this thing hellbent which was uh i guess to do with angels and devils uh started to bring this in so we start to get a little bit of this and this runs through from 47 all the way to the rest uh to the end uh issue 60 but uh i don't know interesting concept here tim what did you make of hellbent
0: uh it's in aesthetics it's very 90s you know everyone has sharp points and, and blades and things like that um I didn't know about the idea that it was, you know, he intended it as sort of a separate class, mm. you know, like mutants or inhumans. Uh, that's fascinating to me. It's interesting for me without that knowledge in the context of just Kavanaugh really goes into the supernatural with Moon Knight, mm-hmm. which is an aspect of Moon Knight that's there from the start. I mean, his first appearance is in Werewolf by Night. So you have that sort of in his DNA, but it's rare that storylines really go deeply into that you know yeah. the especially as of late he's very much a um he's going to beat the hell out of some guy in an alley kind of hero <laughs> as opposed to where kavanaugh takes him which is you know very supernatural demons and um you know seth the immortal and things like that which we'll talk mm-hmm. about as we get closer to that uh so it, it's i think a a, a different direction a way to dive into Moon Knight's history to get more details out of, and similar to, you know, bring back Randall Specter. that same idea that there's a bunch of stuff that got introduced when Moon Knight was popping up here and there, but didn't have his own book mm-hmm. and, uh, really jumping off of it, really using it well. Um, and, and, different than, you know, Monch did some supernatural stuff as well, but his was far more like Gothic horror, yeah. you know, with, um, Oh, I always forget her name. The Scarlet.
1: Uh, stained Glass Scarlet. Stained Glass
0: Scarlet. Yeah. So yeah. that sort of concept. Uh, even Black Specter, he's not specifically supernatural, but he does have that kind of spooky appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was far more gothic horror. And this is, you know, very like uh, monster um, demon kind of horror um, mm. and Supernatural. So, you know, I like that it's always cool to see a writer go back and say, oh, there's this little string that nobody ever really did anything with. Let me see where I can pull that and where that'll go.
1: Yeah, it certainly had been a while. I mean, uh, I'm just backtracking in my mind as well. Mark Spector Moon Knight uh, was predominantly, um, you know, the the travails of Mark Spector. um, uh, Mercenary, it was very grounded. Uh, Early Mm -hmm. on, I think it was issue... it's a stretch here, I think issue maybe three or four, there was something to do with zombies. That was a little kind of supernatural. Um, Then Mm -hmm. just off the top of my head, 25, I think had Ghost Rider. Uh, It wasn't supernatural, but I guess Ghost Rider, he kind of made it supernatural. Right, Uh, yeah, his presence does that. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and and incidentally as well, that 25 was very much linked to um, just the, the Blood Brothers uh which we just mm-hmm. mentioned thirty five to thirty eight. It was the the Knights of the Moon uh led by Plasma of all people. Um but we see that the head honcho which is Nephthys, Nephthys uh mm-hmm. she was in uh, that that was what Terry Cavanaugh brought in uh in thirty five to thirty eight. Uh but yeah interesting hellbent um very a very different take. Yeah and for me, Tim, this latter part of Mark Spector Moon Knight really takes a turn. Um it, it just is very I don't know, just very different in feel. I, I'm still, mm-hmm. the jury's still out as to where I'd place this in my favourite runs of Mark Specter Moon Knight because I do like Mark Spector Moon Knight. It's so funny, like I, I reread it again and, you know, tastes change and per- perceptions change. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is tied into, you mentioned set the Immortal as well. So not long after that, um, around issues 48 to 49 of Mark Specter Moon Knight, we start to get this development of Frenchie, of all people, as well. um, The Bloodline legacy and the Knights Mm -hmm. Templar. So, uh, again, for listeners that aren't fully acquainted with what happens here, Frenchie, who up until this point, up until from the 70s till the 90s, was just your kind of, like... Your, your sidekick, I guess, to, to Mark Specter or, or brother in arms, um, totally human, totally normal, um, we start to get this idea that Frenchie is part of this ancient bloodline legacy where he uh, is related to the Knights Templar, who are, are this faction that um, I guess they want to ensure history is is um, is kind of preserved or told right or something like that so um so he gains like these superpowers like he kind of changes form here and there um and he has some links to his ancestors what did you make of this Tim of of like frenchie i guess being changed 180 so to speak he's he's totally different yeah
0: there's aspects of it i liked one of the things I think makes it harder and that makes me not a huge fan of it was there's some art stuff, especially towards the tail end of the series Mm -hmm. where it's really hard to tell the male characters apart. Uh, I mean, part of that is intentional. Mark Spector is supposed to look a lot like Seth and vice versa, Yeah, but especially the last three or four issues, um, Frenchie looks exactly like them as well, but with a mustache. And the mustache (laughs) isn't always very clear. So uh, it's often hard to get an idea of... And plus with all the transformations and things like that, it's really hard to get an idea of who who Frenchie is in the action, who you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that undermines it some... I do like the idea of Frenchie having kind of a a life outside of Mark. I think that's interesting Mm -hmm. um, that he is... Um, you know, that he exists beyond the lead character. I liked his relationship with, is the character name just Templar? The woman in all white who we're supposed to, I think it's a swerve, we were supposed to think she's Marlene and she turns out not to oh. be. Is that, is that like Chloe? Or, I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. exactly, it's Chloe, yep. yep. I think she goes by Templar. Yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that, you know, he has this sort of lost love. I think that's all good for the character, but the way it ends up getting into this transformation thing and you know Frenchie at the start of this arc or start of Kavanaugh's book ends up paralyzed mm. um and it's just weird to have you know that part but also when he turns into this sort of muscle-bound guy <laughs> creature thing he isn't anymore but then he goes back yeah yeah it's just yeah, some of the stuff gets muddy for me yeah I yeah.
1: don't know how you felt about it yeah, look, I, um, and taking nothing away, cause, uh, I think Kavanaugh's a great writer and all that, and mm-hmm. testament to what we were just mentioning before from the early issues up to here. I think it's, it's good, but I just feel with this bit of Frenchie, um, it feels almost like he, Kavanaugh could have used like another series and, and created, just created some characters and used that rather than mm-hmm. try to shoehorn it into Frenchie's history. Uh, it just just right. to me, because as you say, it got muddy. To me, it just it just seems like it started to... It, I had this feeling it started to pile on ideas, uh, over ideas, um, and it's like mm-hmm. there's enough there to kind of really tear your hair out and try to grasp, um, um, but having this on top of that, to me, felt a little overwhelming. Um, so it would be interesting. I, I can't remember if we touched upon this in our talk with with Terry Kavanaugh and Howard Mackey, but um, I'm wondering if they um, they knew around this time whether the run would end at sixty that they were just trying to just oh let's just let's just chuck in everything that we can before mm. it, before it ends or not. Um, uh, because the sixty, you know, that's a good five year run. Um, you know, twelve right. twelve by thing. So that's a uh, and and back in those days. Uh, they're not the only one. I know Quasar had a good 60-issue run as well. So Mm -hmm. they're pretty decent. You're not going to get that these days. So I guess it's very special to have this. But it felt to me as if they were trying to jam in a lot in here. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know the full workings behind it. But, yeah, it was an interesting idea. Um, Again, I mean, for me, Franchi turning into this muscle-bound, you know, avatar or something was just a bit (laughs) too much for me. So, yeah. no.
0: I think there's an irony there that they were because the Knights Templar things that ends up connecting to Hellbent as well. Yes. You know, in some ways, I think it was supposed to make the introduction of Hellbent easier that, you know, you've got this Mm. concept and these concepts and they're all connected. But Instead, you know, like you said, it, it makes things feel like just a pile of ideas yeah. on top of one another. Yeah. So I think the intention was to make it a little bit easier. Like, oh, all these things are interrelated, and therefore they're easier to read. But instead, what you end up with is just this mashup of why is all this stuff connected and why yeah. you know why are we only finding it all out at the same exact time? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you might be right. If he had more time, maybe he could have teased it out more, and it wouldn't have seemed as you know as overstuffed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, as well, interestingly enough, I I did a little bit of research as well, and uh, the Knights Templar in Marvel, this is not the first time as well. I thought it was, actually. I thought Kavanaugh actually introduced this, but apparently, if I am to read wiki fandom as correct, uh, 1983 in Thor, that was the first appearance of the Knights Templar. Now, I don't know if these are the characters that we see in Mark Spector Moon Knight, um, or if indeed Mm. uh, this is the same kind of faction, but... um, it kind of shows that maybe Kavanaugh was tapping into something older as well, wanted to bring an obscure kind of group back and, and maybe revitalize it and link it in with Hellbent and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can do that. Yeah. But, um, so then we get, I guess from, uh, from moon, we've got the last 10 issues here and, um, look, uh, apart from some really cool cameos here, Knights Gambit, um, uh, with Gambit, obviously, uh, issues right. 52, 53. Uh, I, Tim, I guess the, the main thing I, I would like to touch upon, Seth the Immortal that you were talking about. Um, anything else there that you would like to make a note of this character? I mean, he was pretty big uh, in you know the whole scheme of things for Mark Spector up until the end.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's kind of a character that is all about moving the action forward but isn't much of a character himself mm. if that makes sense you know he is an antagonist and he looks kind of like mark <laughs> and he keeps changing into these different things you know um you know at one point he's like a sort of a pink gargoyle kind of looking guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, another point he seems like he might be a vampire um He dissolves a guy's skin. Uh, He's sort of, he's a collection of a lot of different sort of gruesome powers, uh, but there's not much there there for me. Yeah. Uh, The sort of most interesting stuff that comes out of it is Tangential, which is the whole Spectre Corp.
1: Yes, um, I should have mentioned that, yeah.
0: Yeah, Corporation Machinations. uh, That ends with Marlene sort of owning Spectre Corp in a a bid to save it. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Um, it's, it, it's a little hard towards the end to see, if, if to figure out exactly what her game plan is. Yeah. Um, again, I think a victim of a little bit of rushing towards the end. Uh, but the character himself, I didn't really... It, he didn't have a lot for me to get my hooks into. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, um, largely for me, an, an uninteresting character. I mean, apart from that kind of really, I guess, ambiguous connection. Um, you know, looking like Mark Specter and and this thing, Seth. I actually thought as well. Um, I I was just thinking, set. You, you know, I mean, it's br- right. a play yeah. on that. And and the immediate thing I thought of was uh, there's that, that Thor villain uh, set, uh, which is mm-hmm. very much more Egyptian kind of looking. He's got one of his hands is what well, he's handless in one of his arms. Um, very cool. He was back in the '80s. Um, so yeah, th- this for me. I don't know, this character, I didn't know really what to make of him. Uh, obviously very powerful, uh, but very just, just ambiguous as to what, who or what really he is. Um, so yeah, uh, again, I- I'll need to read through all these again thoroughly, um, which I-, I plan on doing because I, I really do... I really do like giving second chances to um, to, to mm-hmm. some of the things that I found very difficult to read, um, but uh, and, and this certainly was that in the beginning. I mean, not only that as well, Tim, I mean, to wrap up uh, a couple of things, uh, Infinity Crusade crossover, there was 57, um, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you thought of the Infinity Crusade, but for me, you know, that was... Yeah, pretty pretty poor as part of as crossovers go uh, to tie off that trilogy and, and the death of Mark Specter as well, which we see Mark Specter. Right. Yeah, that which is a big thing. But, down, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Infinity Crusade. Any um, any final thoughts there?
0: Um, the only thing you know, it's a huge Mark's issue is a huge uh, crossover. So there's a ton of characters, and he gets a little bit of um. Hey, you did a good job there, which is always nice to see, um, especially going back to issue fifty where he gets. It seems like he's going to get bounced out of the Avengers, and instead he quits. He yeah. lights his yes. card on fire, which has one of the one of the cooler covers of the era. It's, <laughs> the, uh, it's a die, die cut out of yeah. the burning, yeah, yeah, of the burning card. But it was neat. Um, but it was sort of nice to have people recognize that he can be, uh, you know, a good hero in yeah. that context of the fifty-seven. But the issue itself is meh, yeah. um, and again, I blame that more on the fact that Infinity Crusade as a whole is oh, not yeah. a particularly interesting storyline. Nah, um, so it's you know limited results in part because it's hard to get blood from that particular stone
1: <laughs> absolutely um yeah and 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 as mentioned i guess uh it ends off with the death of mark specter which we know is not the end because he always kind of comes back right. resurrection war uh, a few years uh, later down the track It took a few years for him to come back but doug mensch brings him back uh in a very cool way uh in, yeah. in a, another arc there but um there you go loonies that is just a kind of a, a little summary wrap up of the Kavanaugh legacy. So again, issues 35 to 60 of the Mark Spector Moon Knight run. Go check it out if you can. It's a little hard to find unless you have all the floppies and stuff because, uh, they haven't released a collected, col- uh, complete collection, uh, of it yet. Yeah, no. Um, sporadically. Actually, I don't even think, well, well not all of these are in, um, are on Marvel Unlimited or Comixology as well, so yeah. um, you're just going to have to track them down when you can. Anyway, uh, loonies, let's just take a quick. Oh, Tim, as well, let's take a let's take a quick short break, yeah. um, and uh, when we come back, let's just wrap up with a bit of Nightlines and uh, and what's la- what's up ahead.
0: Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him. Adam.
1: But return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the starways in your blood.
0: Thanks, Dan. Sounds fair. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all had I not pulled us into the soul gem.
1: Then Thanos, I'm coming for you.
0: After Xandar, you were going to kill my father?
1: You dared to oppose me.
0: You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand
1: planets. It's alright, Adam. We're here to help. Just stay cool. I don't want to be here! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Five years and going strong. Every other week... Mostly for all of your Adam Warlock, Thanos, or Marvel Cosmic needs. Find it on iTunes, Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. Resurrection's Adam Adam Warlock, you cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor. I always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the can. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. I am joined by Tim Stevens. Tim, how are you? From the psych ward. (laughs) How are you, Tim? I'm
0: doing well, thank you.
1: (laughs) Excellent, excellent. And uh, Tim and I, we just talked about the Kavanaugh legacy, which is a very interesting run. Interesting to hear your thoughts as well, Looney. So uh, please do, just send in your thoughts uh, of what you thought of these issues, 35 to 60. Uh, I'm sure it's very... I think varied as to what people made of these of these issues. Some people love it. Some people love this. Actually, this is a question as well, Tim. Stephen Platt. Did you enjoy his art towards the end? Uh <laughs> not really.
0: I. The thing about Stephen Platt is the covers to those last five issues. I think mm-hmm. are great. You mm-hmm. know, there's the one where he's. Uh, moon Knight seems like his costumes getting stripped off by bullets. Yep. There's the actual last issue where he's sort of lying in the moon, uh, the crescent moon. Uh, there's a couple others in there. They're really great covers. However, when you get into the sequential art, it's, it gets pretty rough. Uh, the layouts are kind of funny. The layouts might have been interesting, I think, if he was just a clearer artist. Yeah. Um, there's shades of McFarlane in there, but yep. McFarlane regardless of how I feel about him you can tell the difference between characters and things like that so mm. um not Seth, um <laughs> Stephen Platt has a bit more to- of a harder time differentiating especially between the male characters mm. so that yeah. was my reaction
1: I know totally fair as well and uh you know I know a couple of the linies, uh do like Stephen Platt's artwork uh, for the most part yeah he is quite um he's quite hard to to, to get your head around so to speak let's just Leave it at like, like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nightlines Loonies here. Now, I just got a, a couple of bits of feedback uh, for an episode, uh, a few episodes ago, episode 193. Uh, so this came via YouTube. So a big shout out to CMK7. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. That's Chris. Hello, Chris. Always good to hear from you. And Chris writes in about issue, uh, episode 193. Great show, guys. I'll definitely be checking out Fringe Night. Sounds really cool. Yes, the Ellis run is so underrated. He really did do his homework. Incredible writing with so many great moments. Another line from Spectre I loved is when Frenchie says he will never stop. He will go on and on using up people, spending his bottomless pit of blood money, and he cannot die. Chilling stuff. Among the many things Ellis got right about Moon Knight's character is the tragedy of Mark Spector. Being conscious avatar is a curse that Mark willingly accepts as his penance to find redemption and salvation from his guilt-ridden life, and also acceptance and affirmation from a distant god that he never got from his father – very interesting points here, Tim. Um, Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling, but very poignant and insightful writing. Just wish we could get more. I did read an interview with Ellis, and he said he was exhausted and drained by the last issue. So I guess he was try-harding on this run, and it shows. Uh Thank you, Chris. Very interesting comments indeed, and I, I love it. It's, it's another layer of this relationship between Mark and Khonshu. Uh Tim, yeah, I mean, did, did you like the Ellis run?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I love Ellis' run. I think mm. the art on it is incredible. Um, I love the, I, it's just sort of the way he dances through different genres. You know, yeah, you've got absolutely. your crime, you've got uh, the, the mushroom issue, which is very sort of psychedelic sci-fi. Uh, I just really appreciated how much variety he put into the character. And I love the look of Mr. Knight. You know, that business yes. suit with the uh, white mask is really cool, so.
1: Very cool. I think it put Moon Knight uh, on the map a bit more, you know, for a lot of people. Mm. People um, took attention to that. Uh, so thank you, Chris. Thank you for those uh, those words. They're really cool. Um, also, Colin Francois says as well from YouTube. Uh, <laughs> he says "How has this man made three years of a podcast talking about one character?" Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So we had a little bit of a banter there, Colin. Uh, absolutely. Um, he. he Goes on to say, I appreciate the dedication. I recently became a fan of Moon Knight after reading that trade paperbacks, crazy runs in the family and phases. So very interesting. You um jumped on board, Colin, with the Bemis run. Uh, again, a lot of people... Didn't like it that much. Um, I I didn't mind it. I, I liked it. it. It it wasn't the best, but it had some interesting ideas. Uh, and it'll be interesting here, Colin, about your thoughts on the earlier runs as well. Because you, you, oh man, if you're just dipping your toe in now, you're in for a hell of a ride. Uh, Tim, uh, the Beamus run. Any any thoughts there? I have some
0: affection for the Beamus run. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, to be art forward about it, I think the Beamus run had a really interesting look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciated that artwork. Um, it, it's a run that felt like, again, there was a lot of ideas that maybe would have gotten to play out if we had an era where somebody could go 35, 40 issues on the title. We're mm. just not in that era anymore. No. Um, I understand why people had some difficulties with it. Uh, we talked some about the legacy stuff. Uh, but for me, it worked. I it clicked. I, I liked a lot of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Had some really good ideas to say that, and and I love the art. Uh, Jason Burrows, Paul Davidson, um, mm-hmm. really good stuff. Uh, Ed Ty Templeton as well. Even with that that issue 194 about Mark's uh, past mm-hmm. with his family. That was really really cool stuff. Anyways, yep. so yeah, I mean that pretty much wraps up the the feedback as well. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. Now would you would you be keen to to meet up a bit later in the week to to chat about uh, our LunaPic Modern Run review? You know, I would be absolutely honoured to do so. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, let, let's hope that we can make that work with with schedules and such. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, while, while I have you here, uh, I guess, Tim, as well, I mean, we will hear from you later on in the week as well. But um, if people wanted to contact you, have a chat with you about comics or otherwise, uh, where can they best find you?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, my... Twitter's probably your best bet. That is at Ungaje, which is U N G A J J E. Mm-hmm. I also have a website, which is Tim Stevens is Ungaje, all is one word. Uh, Stevens with a V and Ungaje spelled that way again, U N G A J J E. And uh, Moon Knight fans in particular probably want to check that out. Uh, about a month ago, mm-hmm. I was part of a conference called the Far West Popular Culture Conference. And I did a presentation on Moon Knight, oh. and the most, uh, the latest post on my website is a connection to the video for that and the slideshow which unfortunately you can't see in the video. You just have me talking, but you can look at both at the same time via my website. Uh, And I talk about uh, perhaps unpopular position that Moon Knight, in fact, does not have dissociative identity disorder. He's got a boatload of mental health issues, but dissociative identity disorder isn't one of them. So uh, you can go ahead and check that out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's meaty stuff. And loonies, do not fear as well. Uh, You can put your pens and and pads down. It will be in the show notes for your ease of of access as well so go check it out Uh, it's definitely worth looking at especially of course if you love our boy Moon Knight Uh, just a final thing as well before we wrap up uh, a little mention to our prize giveaway so that is still running Uh, a huge thank you to Destructor Disk Designs and Meteor Patrol for uh, for, I guess donating and giving up some some really beautiful pins of Moon Knight from them so uh, check out our social media page Uh, answer the question I think it's a panel I'll put up there just let me you know what panel, what issue it's from. Email us uh, by the Feb- uh, Friday, the twenty sixth of March, and we'll announce those winners on our two hundredth episode in early April. So, so get your get your entries in. Uh, next phase as well, loonies. It's going to be uh, towards the end of the week. Um, it will be a waxing crescent. So, Tim and I will be returning for a Lunapic Modern Run review, and we will be doing Shadowland Moon Knight number one from 2010. Now, talking about legacies, talking about uh, canon, talking about Randall Spectre, uh, this throws things up. So, uh, it should be a fun, a fun talk, uh, a fun review of this issue. Uh, once again, Tim, a huge thank you, and, uh, and I'll catch you a bit later on in the week. Sounds great. Thank you. Loonies, you can contact us through various social platforms. You can drop us a line on email at itkmoonnight at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com/slash itkmoonnight, and a Facebook group, facebook.com/slash group/slash itkmoonnight. We are on Twitter, our handle is at itkmoonnight, and we're on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube to search for into the night a moon night podcast we're also on discord just search for the server into the night with a k please leave an itunes rating or review if you can it helps us reach other loonies out there too also if you have any feedback we also look to improve ourselves and the show finally we're on all good podcast catches apple podcast google play stitcher Spotify, iHeartRadio, also on PodCoin. Please check us out and share episodes with your friends. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.